Hello, everybody. Welcome to the AI Weekly Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Kingston Mandisodza, and I'm here with my co-host. And today uh, we're going to be going over the latest news and developments in AI over the past few weeks. So um, to start off, uh, I was came across a story about OpenAI um, developing a new um, AI software that can summarize books, um, that you give it a text or a book, it will produce a summary of that um, literature um, and you one can then read that summary and get a good understanding of what was contained in the text. So um, now this is a really, really intriguing story and it's another story in a long line of developments by OpenAI that have really been quite astounding. So OpenAI, you may be aware, were the ones who developed. So OpenAI were the ones, if you you may not be aware, who came up with uh, Copilot. Um, and uh, they also uh, had some the jukebox software that can generate music. And they uh, have also had lots of developments with uh, regards to generative um, predictive text, uh, GPT-3. Um, which you may have heard of the latest iteration of that line of uh, yeah predictive text software um, that's able to sound very scarily human and uh, talk about complex issues. Um, so they're really at the forefront of this AI development um, at the moment. And this is just another piece of software and a long line of uh, AI programs that yeah is really 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 interesting. Um, so. I'd say, um, yeah. What do you, what do you think then, uh, uh, Ludi, about um, the book summarizing AI? Um, I think it's like um, it's something that's definitely useful, and that if you want to read a book, you can scan it, see if you like it based on the summary processed by the AI generator. Uh, but at the same time, I think there are downsides that, you know, people will be less intrigued to read the actual book and uh, just be inclined to read summaries. Uh, there's also the issue of AI biases, you know, what type of uh, inclinations that program holds uh, towards a certain subject. And I think there's a lot of progress in the technology that we develop today. Uh, but at the same time, we have to also uh, look at how these algorithms and how these automation developed, uh, because the more data that they process and the more data that they learn, the more accurate and helpful they will be. Um, so it's a matter of time uh, for the accuracy and helpfulness, but definitely it's a uh, very helpful use of uh, technology. Well, uh, you may or may not be aware, but I am actually a big fan of books and reading. And um, one thing I found with summaries um, is that they often uh, they miss key details. Uh, so they they give you some good some key details, and they give you a a general understanding of the book. But what I often find is that they miss key details they may be slightly off in certain places maybe they have an interpretation I slightly disagree with but that sort of uh, like critical thought with regards to summaries is not possible unless you've read the book and what I fear is that an AI that uh, produces summaries of books may discourage um, like uh, alternative interpretations to that summary 
um, if, for example, you're a student studying English literature and um, you uh, rather than read read the book or maybe you, maybe even if you've read the book and you, then you read this generated summary, um, you may be influenced by that summary such that you take on the viewpoints of the summary rather than come up with your own original thought. And then that really inhibits and uh, really, uh, really devalues the debates um, and discussions around the, that particular piece of literature. And that's not even mentioning the possibility of like plagiarism, right? Um, and a rise in plagiarism as a result of many people using these same summaries to formulate their essays. Um, but yeah, it's certainly, I think that uh, it can be useful in some place. Also, um, uh, if you look at the author, author of a book will often include a blurb or their own summary, or often old texts will have like scholars and academics write their summaries at the start. And um, perhaps right. it could be useful for filling in a summary where one doesn't exist already. But I would say I would prefer the summary of the author, because then you can be sure that what the author is saying is what they intended, or how they intended the book to be interpreted. So yeah, I'd say that there are those aspects too. Yeah, that's a good point, because all of these AI technology and algorithms uh, can't, couldn't really read our minds and they couldn't emulate what we are thinking on an individual basis. It's very generic. Um, but I think it's more of just kind of like an accessibility tool. If you want to use it, you can use it, but it's not going to replace the actual uh, hobby and interests of reading. At least I hope, you know. Yeah, I, I I don't think it will replace reading either, because as I said, there's a lot more you can gain from a book than just um, its summary, right? Um, like if that was the case, rather than watch, rather than reading a book, we would just read the Wikipedia article saying the plot, right? That's um, a lot of a book is to do with the writing style, the way that ideas are conveyed, as opposed to what ideas are conveyed, um, and that can have a big influence on. Yeah, on how you interpret everything. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think it will do that either. I think that's the other issue I have with this is that I'm not quite sure of its use utility. Like, um, it doesn't seem like if you look at some of the other things OpenAI are doing, like uh, uh, GitHub, like Copilot, right? Um, that was that clearly has a very, uh, very wide like use. Um, very important piece of technology that could really shape the way that we program. Um, or if you look at um, the OpenAI uh, GPT model, that also has a lot of wide uses in terms of uh, perhaps having chatbots um, in industry um, to reduce costs. Um, uh, or you could have uh, uh, you could have chatbots even maybe to catch scammers. Um, um, and to engage scammers and waste their time. Uh, there are loads of different ways you can use uh, GPT-3, loads of different ways you can use uh, Copilot. But with this one, it seems quite limited in, in its use um, yeah. and also quite unnecessary in some cases as well, because literature will often come with summaries and scholarly um, articles and et cetera, and discussion around the literature. Yeah, I mean, that is something to consider. But nevertheless, it's always good progress um, to see from OpenAI. On the topic of GPT-3, actually, 
just recently, they've launched a brand new system to solve word problems. Uh, so computers, computer programs, uh, all of them have the capability to process massive amounts of numer numeric uh, equations, problems, uh, including uh, complex equations, you know, that are done by computers nowadays. Uh, and it's how uh, blockchain uh, transactions are verified. So now they actually have a capability to solve 55% uh, of uh, word problems in terms of accuracy uh, compared to actually 60% of human accuracy from a sample of nine to 12 year olds. And um, that I think it's incredible. I mean, imagine like word problems, like it's more of a use for teachers, I think. Um, because it's something that teachers could use as a word reference. It explains the process uh, through three different methods. So um, all of these problems that they've trained are in a data set called GSM8K. And all of these have fine-tuned state-of-art language models. Um, so the first process that they do is through verification. Uh, so they verify the answers. And then the second way is through fine tuning, uh, machine learning, what the correct answers are and what the answers are not correct. Uh, and finally is verification, the accuracy of the answers. Um, so they do a repetition of these processes to make sure that uh, it's as accurate as possible, uh, as well as including a very diverse a uh, group of uh, word problems for it to solve. So I think it's something that's useful. I, I, I think it's more inclined um, to kind of the machine learning world and the algorithm world rather than like a classroom, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a really useful and interesting development. Um, to, for a computer or uh, for an AI to be able to make that, that abstraction um, of a of a word problem and turn it into correct mathematics um, with such good accuracy um, is definitely something which uh, is like revolutionary um, and uh, I mean that is something that people have struggled with um, for a while to be able to get AI to make abstractions like that. Um, which humans do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and um, the fact that the AI had a similar accuracy to yeah, young, young children, um, that's really, um, that's really, really uh, astounding. And uh, yes, the use, there is a use in the, in the classroom potentially, um, but I think the bigger use or the wider use will be in, uh, more broad and more general in that having AI that's able to make abstractions brings them much closer to human uh, levels of uh, like uh, problem solving. Um, and uh, rather than them solving empirical uh, problems uh, or deterministic problems, then perhaps we could start to see them solve more abstract problems and yeah that's definitely something which yeah could be really Im impactful yeah it's interesting because um you look at the history of computers it started off as something to 
collect some boring data sets and then eventually to solving some simple to complex math problems. And then you have the, pers the you know, the invention of the personal computers uh, from computers that were the size of a room. And I, I think it, this might be something that incentivizes the, uh, the increasing acceleration of development for quantum computing you know, to calculate um, complex problems and you know, to integrate um, something that couldn't have been done before and now you can process things you know, infinitely faster, so. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that it's uh, definitely a sign of development in the field and uh, 2021 and 2020 or even like the last five years have been full of really exciting developments in AI. And as I said earlier, OpenAI have really been um, at the, the forefront of a lot of these, these new technologies and I'm excited to see what they, what they come up with next. Yeah. Um, do you want to do the next story now? Um, you yeah. want to introduce um, it? Yeah. Okay, so next one is, this topic is um, slightly related to the entire uh, shenanigans in the scenario of open AI. Uh, this is basically the guy who's behind all the brains of open AI uh, are Elon Musk and Sam Altman and a bunch of other people, but Sam Altman um, just recently launched his own cryptocurrency coin, which is conceptualized in the basis of democratizing financial equity for everyone around the world. So this coin is called WorldCoin. It's something that uh, essentially everybody would have access to at a certain point. Um, the only I guess maybe you can say downside is that to verify each individual identity, uh, you will have your uh, eyes and your uh, eyeball and your eye pattern, et cetera, be scanned into a encrypted biometric data through a physical uh, globe. So they've been doing this in uh, South American countries and uh, in some countries in Europe. And they're planning to expand their operations beyond, uh, I think they have five countries right now. <clears throat> um, and so it's basically the idea that crypto is going to, you know, bring the gaps of um, societal inequality uh, to a close. At least it's an attempt, you know, and also um, give people who don't have bank banking access, a chance to owe money, and further, you know, there's also the transaction fees between banks, as well as the time, uh, the, you know, the, the, the process of going there to make a transaction, all of this will be reduced to a simple wallet to wallet transaction. Um, and I, I think a WorldCoin is a step process to there. Obviously, it's powered by uh, very powerful AI systems to, uh, you know, recognize basically like the eye data is also transferred into zeros and ones into uh, numerical data. And obviously it's powered by AI to recognize that. Um, but like, what do you think, Kingston? Because this is something that's definitely new. Yeah. Um, 
It's for sure. Um, I think that uh, definitely there are some positives, um, like the uh, the ability to do like really fast transactions and also the whole global aspect to it. Um, I think one of the main concerns and perhaps one of the main obstacles is the requirement to submit biometric data. Um, uh, I know that people seem to don't seem to have an issue in general with submitting biometric data in terms of uh, if you look at the amount of uh, people who have like uh, the Apple face scan on their mm -hmm. iPhone uh, to unlock it um, or um, and also we have the whole passport um, biometrics as well mm -hmm. um, but this is uh, this is biometrics is something which is pretty much immutable um, and uh, is also very personal um, and I would be surprised if across the world um, uh, a sufficient number of people are willing to give up that data in return for being able to participate in, uh, in WorldCoin. Um, I would also say another obstacle is um, like uh, the, gov the world governments and uh, uh, the superpowers in terms of um, perhaps they don't want a centralized world cryptocurrency because then it would undermine uh, their legislation and regulation around um, like markets and around uh, the um, currencies. Um, it would uh, pro provide a huge challenge for lawmakers and for governments to um, ensure that it remains fair and balanced and um, that it protects people rather than exploits them. Um, and I think another potential challenge uh, would be um, just in general, um, yeah, so, so with the biometric challenge and also the, um, uh, the challenge of getting across, getting it across the world, um, you also don't want a situation where um, adoptees of this um, cryptocurrency um, are much, much better off between than people who don't adopt uh, this cryptocurrency um, because uh, other because then you might start to see a new divide in societies and that divide would be uh, could be really damaging. So I think those are the main obstacles that um, they'd have to overcome with regards to um, getting WorldCoin uh, to work in the way that they uh, envisage it but certainly um, one thing I really like is the ease of transactions and also the more global approach to currency I think this is a trend we're starting to see obviously the big cryptocurrencies also want to do um, something similar that's their end goal and then you also have the I think the European Central Bank um, have mm -hmm. been looking into creating a, an EU-wide um, crypto-like currency um, for themselves so I think it really will be uh, a matter of when rather than if as to when a global currency is adopted. Um, but what that global currency is and how it will work, it remains yet to be seen. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because um, they just, you're, you know, a $1 billion company and they're actually starting out with uh, people in Chile, which is obviously uh, a country that's less fortunate than most other countries in the West. Um, and it's interesting to see like already more than a hundred thousand people, you know, just sign up for this literally by 
lining up in the streets, you know, waiting in lines to sign up. So I think, um, you know, people are genuinely interested in a universal currency. Um, and we see countries and uh, massive institutions building systems to adopt to it. Um, a matter of fact, Israel is building their own um, kind of e-currency or e-shekels uh, based on the ERC-20 uh, system, Ethereum blockchain network. Uh, and in regards to that, actually, Google just recently uh, used an AI system to optimize traffic lights and it reduced the car emissions by 10 to 20 percent uh, by, you know, kind of reducing the wait times and the traffic congestion. Um, so I think like AI is, uh, you know, like we always talk about like AI used in cars um, in kind of like the automated cars full self-driving system that we see in Tesla's uh, but it's not really been applied to the physical infrastructure, uh, such as like traffic lights, you know. And in particular, I know that UK and like LA, New York has terrible traffic problems. So if AI is controlling them, you know, it's not just a great thing for the environment, but it's also like less wait time. Yeah. Um... Certainly, um, there are definitely positives and um, there are also definitely hurdles to overcome and also some negatives as well. Um, and uh, I'm sceptical, to be honest, um, as to whether this will be widely adopted. Um, I, I think that it's possibly a good idea, um, but the, I think the biggest challenge will be um, getting past the world governments um, and uh, being able to get them on board. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, legislation in general and financial regulations, etc., um, and the challenges they've posed to other cryptocurrencies, like if you look at uh, Ripple and XRP and the lawsuit that's going on at the moment, which could um, see uh, Ripple uh, re uh, have or which could see XRP um, uh, reclassified and uh, lose its value, um, and then you also have the uh, situation with China's um, crackdown on Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrency. Um, I think there will be a lot of resistance from uh, if this ever does get in get to a position where it looks like it could happen. I think we'll see a lot of resistance from world governments and. Uh, for its wide adoption and uh, yeah and that's a big hurdle they'd have to overcome. As I was saying earlier um, before the diversion of to the greater crypto conversation uh, Google developed an AI system that optimized the traffic lights and uh, the control of traffic um, and it reduced 10 to 20% of car emissions. Um, and I think that's incredible. You know, not only is it going to be shorter to commute to work or school, it's also something that could help the global emissions um, from an infrastructure perspective, because we've only been focusing on developing EVs and self-driving cars uh, to automate kind of the, to avoid mistakes and to make cars drive more efficiently. Uh, 
we never really looked on the onset of making the traffic lights and the management of traffic more efficient um, by using AI systems. And I think it's like the easiest thing to implement because all you have to do is upload um, a, a software and now it can just be the most efficient thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing which is a big uh, problem with uh, to do with pollution is parked vehicles with the engine on. They are some of the biggest emitters of um, carbon and um, they um, can be really damaging. So traffic lights that can minimize the amount of time a vehicle spends parked um, could have a big impact. And as you uh, and as this article says, 20 percent, 10 to 20 percent reduction in carbon emissions due to uh, cars in Israel um, where this was tested. That's that's quite significant. Um, And uh, and being able to implement an efficient traffic light system um, is not only good for carbon for the environment, but it's also something which positively impacts people's lives in that they're able to spend less time stuck in traffic, uh, spend, find it easier to get around. Um, and also it makes people on the road, uh, it makes people who aren't on the road as well um, uh, better off as well in terms of more efficient traffic. Like there, I know that there are some traffic lights where you wait for ages and um, there were plenty of times that it could have gone. Um, so that's also um, a way that that can, so really it's a, good a good story all round. I can't really think of any negatives unless perhaps the cost doesn't justify um the cost of implementation doesn't justify the results, but I'm I suspect that it would be quite cheap to to do. Yeah. Yeah, idling is a terrible thing, you know, just cars sitting on you know, not doing anything and emitting. Um it's actually funny because um several years ago Elon Musk was kind of waiting in traffic and then he created the boring company for that, you know, the long waits in traffic. So I guess like, um, I don't know, maybe the boring company will obviously be relevant, but uh, maybe like this kind of AI stuff will be more efficient, you know, on the, uh, on the more practical level than building a tunnel under a city or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a nice... A nice little story to end the, the podcast on. Um, I think that uh, we've covered a fair few stories today and um, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, thank you very much for listening and um, we'll see you next week.